This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles folks. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Fans on the Run. I, 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 I've been playing with how I, how I enunciate that and, you know, the intonation and how I say it for God knows how long. And I, I, I've settled into a pattern, but I don't like the pattern. So it's, it, it's just a, it's just not a good situation all around. (laughs) We, we, I, I need to, I need to change. I need you can Christopher Walken it. Yeah. Well, welcome back to fans on the run. <laughs> uh, to to the iTunes reviewer out there who said uh, I'm not as uh, I don't have as much charm as I think I do. Uh, I think you might be right. <laughs> but to make up for my lack of charm, I have someone else who is. Much more charming than I. <laughs> he's a he's a musician with many bands to his name, like uh, he has a Beatle group called the Walrus down there in New Orleans, home of the Rising Sun. Wait, fuck! No, I got the song. I got the lyrics wrong. <laughs> home of the House of the Rising Sun, I guess you could say. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What am I doing? Yeah, he has another band big in the 90s. They play stuff that was big in the 90s. And he has another group called the Breton Sound who are kind of in stasis. But they may return. I just I just made that up. I don't know. Valid. Yeah. And he is one half of the husband and wife team <laughs> behind the fellow podcast Ranking the Beatles. Please welcome Jonathan Priedis. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A pleasure to be here. From one podcaster to another, how how bad was that intro? I've heard way worse. I've done way worse. I thought it was great. Well, you know what? That that that's all that matters. I give it an eight out of ten because we always have we all have room for improvement. Yeah, I mean, I end up I may end up re-recording it. And when you listen to the the finished episode, you're like, "What the fuck? I was there for that. That didn't happen. This the, no, this isn't this isn't real. This, this show is fake. Smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I'm not actually one person. I'm I'm the work of four people and an advanced AI uh, voice generation software. <laughs> I was actually looking at something like that today. Uh, you, so I was using Canva, which I'm sure is a graphic designer you hate, because uh, it lets any schmuck be a quote-unquote graphic designer. But um, I'm trying to work on not being as, <laughs> as snotty. So well, I don't blame no, you. it's it's fine. I get it. It's, I get it's it. It's totally fine. But um, they have AI features now that allow you to do that will like do text to voice, and like you can manipulate the voice, which is weird. Um, yeah, it's all very strange. I also was like creating weird graphics, like make a walrus playing an acoustic guitar in a Sergeant Pepper suit. And it did it. And it looks really weird. <laughs> I, I love that stuff. I'll I've, have to send I've, it been, to you. <laughs> I've been using the, a lot of the, the new AI image generation tools mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, projects of mine. And, uh, you know, I, one of 
the the, the subtitle or the heading for you know I one of my projects uh, I was explaining what I was doing in in my class and the subtitle was uh you know AI generation or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bots <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely that as long you know it's making its way into music as well so it's I'll be interested to see where that goes in the next five to ten years actually you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna shake up the normal order of the the show i'm gonna pull a cars and shake it up all right um i like it because you just touched on one of the hot topics uh especially in this in the world of beatles armchair Mm -hmm. philosophy Mm -hmm. it's the 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 use of ai yeah. As a musician yourself, how do you feel about, uh, you know, the the possibility of people creating new Beatles songs? I I like the idea of of restorative AI. I think is cool. I think that I think there's real value in that, especially for older artists. <clears throat> especially, you know, you think of. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have, you know, good quality live stuff from the Beatles, whether it's, you know, the the BBC stuff or even, uh, you know, the Hollywood Bowl tapes, which, I mean, that was cleaned up in kind of a similar kind of manner. It, there's, there's cleaning being done to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but imagine if you could use it to clean up like an audience recording. Like, what was the one that turned up a few months ago? Oh, uh, the, the Stow... Stow school yes 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 Stow school imagine if you could use that to isolate that audience recording like a single mic could learn all that and create like essentially what would be close to like soundboard audio well they 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 pretty much did that with with get back yeah and so I, i think it's a matter of that technology on that level becoming I guess not proprietary to Peter Jackson and the Beatles. Um, so I think there's an advantage to that going forward. I don't love the idea of like genitor, gen- I can never say it. Generative, generative. AI, <laughs> generative AI. I'm not a fan of, um, you know, the idea of creating something that like, Oh, well these are lyrics that John wrote in 66. Let's make a John voice that sings it, you know, like that. I don't have time for that. I think that's weird. Um, but I think there's possibilities that I'm curious to see what smarter people than me come up with because smarter people than us came up with artificial double tracking, which is essentially like the, the initial AI, like yeah. let's create the effect of another, of another take without actually doing the work. That's what that is. I'm sure there were so. people in the in the '60s in the recording industry like, no, they can't do this. Oh, they're yeah. taking I'm the sure. soul out of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, and it's the same thing with you know, you, well, you can't put a a microphone as close to the bell of a trombone as these guys are doing. You can't put a kick drum mic as close as they're doing. You lose all the sound. Like, no, it's just there's room for ex- for experimentation and exploration. Uh, I just don't know. You know, where does it end? So I'm curious. I'm curious to see where it ends. I I'm um I'm a little bit more I'm mixed when it comes to the to the generative AI stuff. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it it really depends on 
who's doing it and how how well or how talented the person is because i've heard some some beatles stuff like uh you know i'm sure you've heard it too there was one a couple months back that was uh like an ai version of grow old with me yeah yeah and i thought that was honestly for for like a generative ai thing i thought it was kind of beautiful yeah because it was before now and then came out and Mm -hmm. so i was like this kind of fills the beetle shaped hole in my heart yeah it sounds it sounds like the beatles it's close enough and the person doing it clearly had the love of the beatles they clearly Mm -hmm. understand what made the beatles good yeah but if you have someone who's just you know yeah, yeah, you know, I know the Beatles are they're pretty okay. I'm going to make a Beatles song. Yeah. Like I think, you know, the, the 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 phase that we hit where it was like let's hear what it's like if uh Freddie Mercury sings Imagine. You know, like that was interesting for like 5 minutes. And then you're like, okay, I don't need to hear that again. Um I've always kind of had this idea, you know, I I think the idea of being able to when you're a fan of something being able to play around with it I think is really neat. Um, so I do kind of agree with you with when it, when it's done with love and, and interest and fun, I think is, is a different idea. I've always kind of had this idea that like, what I think the next thing they would do would be is give access in some way to using like AI or like hologram technology to like, imagine if you could put on like a headset and be in Abbey Road Studios too. And they took all these pictures that they have of them working on Revolver or whatever, Sergeant Pepper or whatever, and did some kind of animation with that. And you could watch them do a take I, and sit I, in that room. That would be amazing. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ryan, who uh, is a co-host on the show uh, Gear There and Everywhere. Nice. Okay. And uh, he was talking about the very same idea that using you know ai like deep fake stuff mm-hmm. imagine being able to watch you know the beatles in abbey road recording yeah and you know that could be something like yeah. for the next generation you know the, the you know making an 8 hour documentary of you know the making of revolver or yeah. something yeah. Or like, you know, consider if, if you had a package <clears throat> for, let's say, uh, Revolver or Sgt. Pepper, let's stick with that. And there was some kind of all-inclusive package where you could have this AI experience of being in the studio. And then because when kids get a MacBook now or an iPad, they all have GarageBand on it. Now you get the four-track audio and you get you can sit there and manipulate it and do whatever kind of remix you want keep it in the proprietary system so you can't export it and then create different things, like figure out a way to do that. Well, the the Beatles already kind of shot themselves in the foot with that. With uh, Rock Band, yeah. With Rock Band. Yeah. The fact that you can, you know, if you have the right Google Drive link, right. you, ha- you have yeah. all the multi-tracks <laughs> yep. for True. all of, like, Sgt. Pepper. True, yeah. But I, but yeah, I, so... I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's it, ways to... to involve it going forward it's just a matter of uh you know the people that get paid good money to to figure out how to do that and do it well hopefully are the ones that will be in charge of that well and it's also 
if if the official channels can find a way to monetize this, yes, you yeah. bet your ass they will. Yeah, and you sure. see that is why I am not on any official mailing list, <laughs> and yeah. that's why I don't get invited to things. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, it's interesting. I had um, Brett Milano on our show, who's a, a music writer. And he was brought in to do some work on Beatles Rock Band when they when that came out however many years ago that was, what, 2009 that came out yeah and I never I didn't know this until he told me that that project was considered a failure like they had some sales metric that they expected to reach that they never hit like they didn't come close to it and so that's why like it kind of they the, the support left behind it from the company and they just kind of let it be what it was and like it never got expanded on like i don't think there were ever like many expansion packs or anything like that like it was kind of like the first big year of it and then they let it go it was considered a failure so i think a, there needs to be i guess a better understanding of what the expectation is for product in that market maybe i don't know like see i i think people you know don't realize that it it you know didn't do as well as it could have because you know compared to the other you know rock band and guitar hero stuff at the time this stuff was done with like the utmost care and yeah. beatle fans still love <clears throat> what they did mm -hmm. that it's like what do you mean this turned out great right well i think all and also like as fans we can kind of be in our own little bubble and like you can be like well how is now and then not the biggest song in the world but like we're talking about it every day uh but outside of our bubble maybe it's not being talked about quite as much as we think speaking of <laughs> um transition yeah this is what we in the biz like to call a segue 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 <laughs> yeah um where do you stand on now and then i'm a fan I'm a fan, man. I really liked it. Um, I listened to it a lot the week it came out and the next week. Um, and then I got busy with stuff and I realized a couple weeks ago, like, I haven't listened to that song in like three weeks. <laughs> I should put that back on. I like that song. Um, yeah, I was a fan of how it came out. I mean, it, it kind of ticked the boxes I thought it would. It's not any better than I thought it would maybe be. Um, it's not worse than I thought it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was happy with a lot of the choices that were made. I, I understand some of the choices that were made. Like I get why the bridge section didn't make it into the final version. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it made me very happy to hear and I'm glad it exists. Um, I'll probably return to it as much as I do real love or free as a bird, um, which is less than say, leave my kitten alone which uh, is a different story. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. You know, the only thing I really didn't care for was the video, but I really couldn't care less about the video. I mean, it's all about the song for me. But I've been really happy. What, what do you think? I, uh, I have very mixed feelings. Yeah. I'm glad that it has done as well as it has. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, kind of the same points as what you said, but you know, interpreted in a different way. You know, it was kind of what I thought it would be, and that was disappointing. Yeah. 
because I was I was really hoping to be blown away. Mm-hmm. I really wanted it to, you know, take me by surprise and, you know, hit me in a place that only the Beatles can. Yeah. And I I I think Real Love especially it's one of my top 10 Beatles songs. Really? Okay. I, I hold it in very high regard yeah. because it, it just sounds like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one thing with, uh, with now and then is I feel like it just, I, I, I use this exact quote and I'm sorry to the people like you're there and everywhere. Cause you've, <laughs> you've lost, the exclusive Ethan quotes. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> but it was, uh, like, the, the tagline to the original uh, Beatlemania Broadway show. It's not the Beatles, but an incredible simulation. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it just doesn't feel like the Beatles. It feels like a sure. very good facsimile. Yeah. I mean, and in the same vein, though, like, I feel the same way about Real Love and Free as a Bird somewhat, because they're so kind of tied to the Jeff Lynn production mm-hmm. on those. And so I was really glad to not have that on now and then, but I think also those two songs benefit from being more complete yeah. compositionally, um, which now and then just wasn't. Compositionally real love was the, was the most well-rounded yeah. of the, of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, yeah. plus, I'm also a, a bit of a Jeff Lynn fanboy. Are so, you? Yeah, like not even just you know ELO. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his first band. Yeah, that no one talks about. The oh, Idol what are they Race. called? Uh, what are the, what's the band after that? There's another the one. Move. The Move. That's it. I'm a yeah. big Move fan too. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. I I I know of. I don't. I haven't learned, listened to much stuff. I. I like ELO um, and his production stuff. It sounds great. It just gets so samey sometimes. Yeah. Like I did a, a show earlier this year that was a traveling Wilburys tribute. And so we did the Wilburys record, like some stuff off the second one. And then we each did a song or two off of the records that Jeff Lynn produced for yeah. George Harrison and Tom Petty. And I, I will agree with you on that. That they could all be one album. They <laughs> the the Roy Orbison album, the Tom Petty album, yeah. Cloud Nine to an extent. Uh they all just kind of sound the same. But with real love, you have the harmonies there. Yeah, the harmonies to, make a huge difference. Not to, you know, paraphrase Mike Love from the oh. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> it's all about the harmonies. Those I'd of like you, to see Mick those Jagger. of you who those of you who are musicians out in the audience will understand what I'm saying. Oh man, I love that speech. I watched it the other day just for fun because yeah. it's it's such a hey, trip to Jonathan. Watch. Did you know the United States is just six percent of the world's population, and that's why he brought Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I love him so much. He's such a dick. Yeah. He's my favorite. Not at all, but like just amazing. <laughs> I've got a, a friend who I, I won't name her name. She's an older musician from the sixties um, and has told many a stories about like the exploits of one Michael Love. Uh, Mike, don't fuck with the formula. Love. Oh yeah. 
don't fuck with the formula. <laughs> God, what a guy. And now, back to our regularly scheduled programming, <laughs> now I kind of go back to the, the pre-established list of questions. Yes, okay. <laughs> Jonathan, how did you first discover the Beatles? Ooh. Uh, you know, I'm, I. it's funny. I still vividly remember the first time uh, that I heard the Beatles. Thank um, God. Yes. There, there, there are so many old. episodes where someone's like, I, I don't really know. They've always just been there. Yeah, they've always been that. there. I, uh, you know, when I was a kid, my sister had real jacked up teeth. And uh, she used to have to go to the orthodontist like all the time to get her braces tightened. I'm like three years younger than her. So it would always be after school. And we'd go sit in the waiting room at this orthodontist's office. <clears throat> and um, I, and I can still, I can, I haven't been in this building in probably 30 years, if not more. And I can still visualize every aspect of this day. Um, sitting in this chair on the left-hand side of the office of the waiting room and uh, sitting next to my mom. And uh, I, sh I should have known better came on, on just the kind of in waiting room music station. And something about it just sonically just kind of like zapped me. And um, I turned to my mom real fast and was like, what is this? And I was probably eight or nine years old. And I was like, what is this? And she goes, well, that's the Beatles. And, oh, man. And I was just like, I was sold. And uh, so we went home and I was asked her in the car. I was like, do you have any music by the Beatles? Like, I want to hear more of that. And we went home and... Uh, the only record, the only Beatles record my parents had was Abbey Road. And so I put that, my mom put that on. And I think, I think it was a couple of days later she put it on. And, like we got and home it was a record. Yeah, it was the final record. And we got home and she was like, well, I, I got to make dinner. I'm not putting it on now. We'll put it on this weekend. And so she put on Abbey Road and I was like, well, where's the song I heard? It's not, I haven't heard that. This sounds totally different. She goes, well, they were around for a long time. And, um, uh, so we'll we'll try to find you another one of their records because they sounded very different. So my aunt had um, a copy of uh, the Capitol Beatles uh, Six album. Oh yeah, and so that was closer to that sound. And um, that by that point, when I heard that, I remember like telling my aunt, like, "Can I can I borrow this?" Like I was at her house, she played it for me, and I was amazed that these guys looked so different than they did on the record that my mom had. So I said, well, can I borrow this? She said, yeah, I still have the record now. I never get back to her. So I'm kind of an asshole about that. Um, <laughs> but I was kind of sold immediately and um, started using, I guess, you know, like a allowance money to buy cassettes. And you would go to the cassette store and CDs existed at the time, too. And I remember my sister had a CD player. I only had a cassette player and I'd go grab a cassette. And then I'd go look at what was on CD and the covers were different because they would have like the American cassette version of Rubber Soul, mm -hmm. where the greenery behind them has been removed and just replaced with this like ugly brown. mustardy gold brown color. Um, and I'm thinking, is this the same thing? And then uh, not knowing, well, why is this? Why is the White Album, you know, however many cassettes it was, like, I think it was just two cassettes. Yeah. Um, but then like the track listings were different the tapes too. So it, everything was just shrouded in mystery, which was super cool. Cause like, I just didn't understand. I was too young to understand why any of these things were different. 
and my mom and the same extent my dad were neither big enough Beatles fans to know the difference between the US versions and the UK versions and what issue, what had been reissued at that point she was as confused as I was um, so it just kind of became a thing real early on and so uh, you you became a fan during that weird transitional period mm-hmm. when both the US and UK catalogs were available in yes. different configurations. Yes. I think so, the CDs were just maybe starting to come out. The CDs like, as, as came the out UK in 87, 87 yeah. 88. Yep, that tracks about 8 or 9 for me, yeah. And but the the cassettes were still in print until mm-hmm. like the early 90s. Yeah. And then it must have been the same year or maybe a year after um they got me the red and blue uh, albums on cassette and that kind of was just like so many people like that was the eye opener um that was the moment i think i realized like i i already kind of knew like music was my thing at that like from a young age you know like my my grandmother was a singer my uncle was a musician so it always was kind of like a thing um and even as a as a real young kid i was really obsessed with um, we had a, a VHS copy of um, the Blues Brothers that my parents, I think, taped off like HBO. So I used to watch that constantly when I was a kid, like a, like a young, young kid. And I would put on my little suit and I would dance and sing and feel like I was Blues Brother. And then uh, then the monkeys were the next thing. And as like a small kid, that was like the most fun you could have. And um, so then the Beatles came in and that kind of like clicked and that was kind of at the point where I was like, I think I'm diving really hard into not just the Beatles, but like wanting to be a musician and talking to my uncle about being a musician and wanting to play music and wanting to join uh, the band at school when I was old enough to start playing drums and band, which I think was like, I think third grade, you could join like the lower school band. And um, I mean, I was just, it was all Beatles for me at that point though. Like I vividly remember the early nineties, like grunge hit, you know, like Nirvana makes big and Pearl jam and things like that. And it's, it's everywhere. And I'm, I'm hearing Nirvana and thinking like, this is so dark and gloomy. All I want to listen to is the Beatles. And I just, it was all I listened to for probably five or six years of my early teens. Um, I was just, you know, a hundred percent obsessed and started buying books and uh i got a vhs copy of the complete beatles documentary because that was like the only one you could get um and the uh video rental place by my house had um had a hard day's night and help and i would like every other week i would rent one of the two and my dad would just get so annoyed and be like you just watched this you just watched this why are we running this again um and just you know I was just, I was hooked and it's kind of has maintained that ever since. One thing that I, I don't think, uh, has been, there, there's, there's a hole that hasn't been filled since the complete Beatles, uh, mm-hmm. was available. And, uh, this is going to sound really stupid. What I think the best thing that the complete Beatles had was, uh, the thing I, I remember about it, 
the the scene where Malcolm McDowell is talking about uh, Revolver and uh, Tomorrow Never Knows and, and the, the visuals just... <laughs> and it's just like different you know fast zooms and yes it's like to me that's like okay that's the music video for Tomorrow Never yeah. Knows yeah that's amazing well, I, I think and that as seeing that at a young age really I think set the idea in my head of like that record is different and that record is special and weird and there's something about that and things get really weird from here on out and it kind of lets you I'm a I'm, I've become a fan of backing into bands via documentaries where I kind of know their story if I've not heard all the music or if I'm not really familiar with it I feel like it lets you kind of connect with with stuff a lot easier yeah and so I think that's got to be one of the reasons why I connected so hard was because I had visual accompaniment towards it or for it all from a fairly early point. But um, yeah, man, I mean, at that point I was just in and uh, I, I agree stopped. with you. And that's why I think it, it was, you know, the reason I am the Beatle fan that I am, because I, you know, when I was eight in 2010, oh, God, you know, I was, you know. <laughs> I, I was a child of the internet, and yeah. so I, I grew up with a fairly, you know, the Beatles were as much of a visual mm -hmm. band as they were audio. Yeah. You know, I had, I got my DVD copies of, you know, Hard Day's Night and Help, and just the, the illegally uploaded, you know, clips of you know the i feel fine video or strawberry oh, fields to <laughs> yeah. like google video not even youtube google <laughs> video yep <laughs> god I, I wish you could have experienced you know for the longest time like the only way to visually get to know the band was like i'd have to go to the library and get books about the beatles to, just to look at pictures and go this is I what did they look the, like here, i did that know? too or like, you remember? Did you have the uh, the um, the trading cards, the Beatles trading cards? No, the trading cards were af were before my time. Yeah, but that was another big thing that I was buying. I mean, anything that I could get that I could afford with like my kid, you know, money, like I was buying Beatles shit. There, I remember there was one store in New Orleans at um, there's a shopping center down in the right outside the French Quarter called the Riverwalk. And it's right on the Mississippi River. And they had a store there that I had gone to the Riverwalk with my mom and they had a, a Beatles t-shirt. And it was just like, I don't remember what album cover. It was just like a white or black shirt with the album cover on it. I was like, oh my God, I want that. Well, kid, it's $30. Oh, Jesus. So I saved up $30. And then it must have taken me, you know, six, seven weeks and went back down to the store and bought that. And I was like, if you can get any more shirts with the other album covers, I'll buy that too. And like, I would save up money just to go buy this one shirt. Now, I don't know if anyone else had Beatles shirts in town, but like, I was 12 and I had no concept of, you know, merchandising. But oh man, that store was like my favorite place just because they had Beatles shirts, you know? Like, that was the one place. Which well, is so goofy. Well, speaking of, of places, I, I kind of want to, you know, trail a little bit backwards okay. you were talking about uh you know getting the getting the cassettes and seeing and comparing them with the cds at the store what what mm. was your local uh record shop or at at that point 
At the time, there was a place called CD Warehouse, um, which got bought up by Blockbuster Music and then Blockbuster Video um, in succession. But CD Warehouse was the place where I would get cassettes from. And then I found out... So I had a couple of records. I had the Abbey Road, that was my mom's. I had Beatles 6, that was my aunt. And... I started finding out like records were available still and maybe not new, but you could get used ones and they'd be kind of cheap. And there was a place uh, called Record Rons that I remember being in probably sixth grade, fifth grade, something like that. And I could take we have um, we have a trolley system here called the streetcar mm-hmm. and I could take the streetcar from my school down to about maybe six blocks from record rons and i could walk to record rons and i went down there and record rons was this old record store with this guy that just chain smoked constantly in this building uh part of the ceiling had caved in i mean it was just a total shithole but i went in there as a little it's kid the, it's the ideal spot for a record store totally yeah totally it still is Legi- it legit eventually got condemned and shut down so <laughs> i don't i mean i don't know what happened to the rest of the guy's collection but I remember walking in there as like a little kid and being like, do you have any Beatles records? And like, he's like, they're all in the back corner on the B shelf. And man, I was just like, there were so many. And it like blew my, like there were things I didn't know about because by that point I learned about kind of like the catalog. Then it was like, well, what's the Beatles story? What is this record? And like, what are all these other random little things I was finding? Um, I didn't know much about the solo catalogs then. And I'm seeing all that. And it's just like blowing my little mind. It was such a fun time to be like, oh my God, I've got to, I've got to start, you know, work. Yeah, I've got to get a job so I can start buying this shit. <laughs> um, so let's, let's fast forward a bit. Um, 2020, mm. let's fast forward in quite a bit. That's a lot bit. <laughs> um, what, what was the, uh, what was the catalyst for you starting? your your podcast ah, well besides like, the pandemic well it probably would not have happened without the pandemic um was at home and uh you know i had a pretty decent gig schedule for the year with uh not not really even with the walrus but with bigger than 90s and the breton sound all that got canceled and uh so I was just sitting around all the time, like everybody else. And it was one of those things where one day it must've been a Saturday cause I wasn't working and, um, just sitting at home and, uh, probably started drinking early in the day <laughs> and was listening to the Beatles. And just at some point I went, I wonder if I could rank the entire catalog and just sat in my kitchen with my laptop and put everything into a spreadsheet and, uh, then sat and looked at it and color coded it. So it's color coded based on like primary colors of each album, you know, uh, which is a nerdy detail that I love. And then. Okay. Wait. So I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about the color coding. Okay. Okay. Um, let's take, let's take uh rubber soul. Rubber soul. What, I'm pulling what, it up right what now. What would you let's consider see. the primary color of that album? Would it be the orange or would it be the green? It's green with orange text. Okay, is is how I have it on the. Uh, not not that puke brown. No, from puke the, brown does the not cassette. make it. <laughs> puke brown does not make it. Um, 
let's see, I'm trying to open list and I turned the Wi-Fi off my laptop, but now I got it. Um, so yeah, I, I color coded it just because like visually that makes a lot of sense to me when I do a spreadsheet, which is because I have a day job too and I do spreadsheets and shit. So, so like, let's see. Oh, I don't have it like in its original unranked form anymore. So like, okay, Rubber Soul is green with orange text, right? <laughs> please Please Me is yellow with black text because there the i think the please please me on the album is in yellow uh the the beatles on the cover beatles, yeah okay, beatles is yellow, yellow right and please please me is in is in red. red yeah that's right um let it be is black with red text of course beatles for sale is kind of a goldish color with black text mm-hmm. um help is blue with white text with the Beatles is black. You, you know what? You said the blue, blue? is for the the Jack the. the I was going to say what the the first thing that comes to mind when you said that is the old uh, the artwork they used on the old VHS and DVD releases of Help, mm-hmm. where it's kind of this. I you know what? I just moved my DVDs over here, and if you're renting these from your video store. This yep. might look familiar. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. For yep. for the listeners out there who well, none of you can see this. What I'm holding <laughs> up is a is an ancient DVD copy of Help. Yeah. From the from the previous millennium. <laughs> the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah. But from the um, year nineteen hundred and ninety seven. Oh god. I was sixteen. Um, let's see. A Hard Day's Night is a brighter blue with white text. White album, of course, is white with black text. Uh, what am I missing? Um, so then I had to kind of go off the reservation a little bit. So, like, things from Past Masters, your non-album singles and B-sides, I couldn't really figure that one out, so that's just maroon with white text. Um, it's, and that doesn't necessarily correspond to anything. Sergeant Pepper is red with black text. Revolver, I went gray with black text. So in in my in my head movie, it all makes sense. Yeah, in, in your <laughs> in your head movie. Yes, <laughs> I don't know that it makes sense to anyone else if I ever showed it to them. Which I, only person that's seen it is Julia, and even she doesn't look at it because she doesn't she doesn't care that much. <laughs> so yeah, so I I, I, I don't this... know what that says about me that I'm I'm more curious <laughs> about your your color coordination than than the ranking than the actual rankings themselves <laughs> um it just means you're on the, on the level man you're on the same level as me <laughs> so yeah so i i made the spreadsheet and then spent probably the better part of the next you know four or five days just kind of futzing with it and it was really done um more instinctually and gutturally of like I knew pretty well, like my top five and my top 10, I think I was pretty sold on number one. I've known that number one and two. I've known that forever. Um, my least favorite. I knew that like, I have no desire to ever hear the German versions of, I want to hold your hand and she loves you. I just, I don't care about that. anymore. Um, so I knew that was be at the bottom of the list. And then I figured Mr. Moonlight was right after that. Oh, I saw, I saw a flinch. I saw a flinch about Mr. Moonlight. <laughs> 
Uh, no, it's it's more just kind of an instinctive response. Yeah. Doing yeah, this yeah, show, because yeah, I, I ask everyone <laughs> at some point in the show, you know, what's your favorite Beatles song and your least favorite Beatles song? Right. And, you know, as you might be able to guess, Mr. Moonlight gets brought up, and I, I end up <laughs> having to defend Mr. Moonlight, <laughs> which is, is a hill that... If I had told myself before I started my show that I'd be, hey, one of the hills you're going to die on is Mr. Moonlight isn't that bad. I mean, look, Mr. Moonlight has existed in it's like funny. millions of people's homes. <laughs> That's a win for Mr. Moonlight. Yeah. I I think there are worse songs than Mr. Moonlight. There probably are. Um, I, I, so would, it, I would it, listen it, to Mr. Moonlight over... The long and winding road. I'm not far behind with that because I think Mr. I think long and winding road is kind of a sad bastard song. Um, I I think it's, it's it's a little too syrupy for my liking. It's I like it, but there are there are certain syrupy. Beatles songs, and I think I, you know what I'm starting to understand the the criticisms people have of my show uh, when I keep saying like I say this over and over again. <laughs> um, you know, there are certain Beatles songs that if they come on the radio, I will turn off the radio. Sure, sure. And The Long and Winding Road is one of them. Yeah. It's and just... Yeah, it's I've just only kind of recently come, come around on Let It Be again. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I did tell Julia the other day, we did I did a show um, you have a with show. the Walrus. <laughs> well, I did a, a, a concert performance. Oh, yes, a uh, concert a musical concert performance with the walrus and we played with, we played with the string quartet. So we okay. get to do a lot of different stuff. And, um, our drummer you play with is... the string quartet and you're only kind of so, so on ELO. <laughs> Valid point. You got me on that. <laughs> um, so our drummer is a classically trained pianist. So on piano songs, he goes and plays keys and I go play drums. Okay. I also tend to sing the bulk of the palm material. Um, we don't adhere to like I'm not Paul. He, you know, no one. It's not like a designated role. It's just whoever plays it best or sings it best. <laughs> so we did the long and winding road with the string quartet, and man, when we finished, I was like, I got. I'm not gonna lie. I really liked that. <laughs> like maybe I just enjoyed playing it and being in the moment of it. But uh, yeah, so the I'm best version that of that song is. You know, I thought I would never enjoy listening to that song ever. And then in Get Back, there was a version with more prominent drums and Billy Preston on organ. Mm, yeah. And I thought, okay, that's that's better. Yeah. yeah. I, I can I can swallow that. I can get down with that. I can get, yeah. I can get with that. But yeah, so that was kind of the impetus behind the rankings. It's, it was more preference as opposed to like quality of the songs because one like i don't dare rank the quality of the lenin of the Beatle catalog because like who the fuck am i to do that um so it's more preference and just to have conversation than anything else um i've definitely ranked songs where it's a better song that i prefer than, than my preference allows it to go if that makes sense like yeah. long and road is arguably a great song like i don't disagree with that it's just not for me. So that's, it's okay. That's me with, uh, you know, I'll follow the sun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, that one's okay. It, technically 
there are good songs. It's just I, you know, there are other people who can listen to them instead of me. Right. <laughs> and honestly, like the other thing is like the caveat of all of this is like at the end of the day, I've bought it at least probably three fucking times, and I do genuinely love it. And it's rare that I'm ever skipping it because I love everything this band does. But it's just you know, it's a silly exercise in. Uh, in thinking uh, your opinion is worth anything. <laughs> you, you, you just gave me an interesting idea. All right. Uh-oh. Question. Okay, okay. And I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few years, observing uh, how the Beatles camp has been handling their catalog. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about... You know, there are there are reissues that come out that it seems like no one wants, but they put them out because they know people will will at least begrudgingly buy it. Yeah. Do you mean as far as like what's on the releases or just the existence of the release in general? Uh, a bit of both. A bit of both. Like, I don't know that I saw the value in, say the Christmas reissues as seven inch singles or however, however they did that. I was okay. like, huh, that seems like a weird way to do that. It I, I got a kick out more of that because I'm a, I'm a record more. guy. So I, I am too, but I'm not a set. I'm not a singles guy. Like, yeah. If they'd I, have reissued if it. If you're a fan as of getting like, up every, you know, four minutes. Four minutes. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like if they'd reissued like the full, like 12 inch version that you can get a bootleg of, like then that would have been made it sense to me. Um, I but, wouldn't put it past know, them to do it again. No, and, and I'll, I'll, if it sounds better than what I have, yeah. I'll probably buy it. <laughs> On black vinyl and, and a color. Yes, a holiday color And vinyl. a picture disc. Yes. <laughs> then three years later, inexplicably, another version. And then, But there's also going to be a version at Target that comes yeah. with a t-shirt. The Spotify and one exclusive. At Barnes & Noble that comes <laughs> with, I don't know. I do hate that that's the way vinyl is sold now. Like not just and it's not just the Beatles, it's every major act that oh. puts something out. I hate that McCart- because the the, the, the big <laughs> thing, things weird. You know, just to date this recording to a very specific point in time, they just um like a week or two ago announced a third anniversary version reissue of McCartney three on even more colored variations. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I'm a record collector and I get the idea of things like that, but also like there's, there should be a limit. And the, the thing that sucks, like as an independent artist, especially is it takes at least a year now to get vinyl pressed. If you want to put a record out on vinyl and that's because acts like McCartney and your Taylor Swift's and uh, any major act that's doing a multivariant release takes up all the bandwidth on all the machines because there's not that many machines. Um, and so, and the other thing is like, if you, like, I think studies have shown if you don't put vinyl out the same day you like fully release the album, you will sell 60% less of that record on vinyl when it's finally available. So all it's doing is setting up everyone else to lose, which I think is a big bummer. Um, it's also does, just does that silly, study like, apply to like the major acts, 
or yes like if you if your record comes out on friday and your vinyl is not ready for six months you're not going to sell okay. the amount that you normally would have even if you're like pre-order it now people are like no you know what i'm not going to do that it's just the nature of a, a buyer i guess but yeah i think all that is just silly that kind of bugs me um but so back to what we're talking about the reissues though I I generally tend to like the reissues. I do feel like there's things that they don't put on it that I would like to see. And I don't know. I don't know. The things that lose my interest is like, I don't want to pay full price for a four song EP that doesn't exist in the canon of things. Like let it be. I listened to that one time, like that EP, like one time. And that's all I cared about. Like I moved on. Um, yeah, so I sometimes wonder if they either don't pay attention to what fans say they want or if they just think they know better. Yeah, maybe it's a way to keep a lid on the vault and kind of control what goes out. I don't know. It just it seems weird. Um, but yeah, I also think, you know, there's an element of like, you don't have to buy everything. Like, I didn't buy the red and blue reissues. I've streamed them. I like them. I'll probably buy them when the price goes down at some point. I just didn't feel like it was a must have, you know? See, I don't, I don't know. I, I am sometimes curious how they decide what goes on these packages though. The, the logic behind the, the red and the blue of reissues still baffles me mm-hmm. because I don't understand the reasoning of doing an expanded version of a compilation that already exists. Yeah, agreed. It's why why do we need like an extra disc of just make a new compilation at that point. Right. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, and I I guess, you know, they like to tie things in with anniversaries, which yeah. maybe Yeah, well, and it's also you know, brand recognition, you know, people yeah. will see it. It's like, I know that that's a, th- that's the thing I know. And I know that thing. And I'm going to yes. buy that thing again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas if they put out a new one, it's like, okay. Yeah. And also I think putting out an existing compilation as opposed to a whole brand new one, because I think Beatles one still sells really well it would probably seem like more of a cash grab if they're like, it's a brand new compilation. Like, cause one's already like what the best selling compilation of all time. So well, it's, it's, I think it was the best selling album of the two thousands. Wow. She's yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I would love them to do some, uh, some fan consultation for <laughs> the stuff that comes out, they, you know, uh, you know, I, I think they should hire me. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not saying I know better. But you know. But, hey, <laughs> if they hire me. You've got your pulse on the fan base. Yeah. Apple, I, if you're I, listening, I what, I'm sure I know you guys what the are. fans want. Right? The fans are on the run, and I know what the fans want. <laughs> Where are they running to? Oh, sh. Three years of that show, and I've never, and I haven't figured out the, <laughs> the answer to that question. Where are they running? Where? Why are they running? <laughs> Not that bad. Where are they running to? See how they run. <laughs> womp womp. 
<laughs> see Emily play. Wait, no. Ah, uh, different band. Wrong band, wrong band. Bands on the run for your life? <laughs> I don't know. We shouldn't talk about that song anymore. Fans on the run till the cows come home. Yeah. Fans on the run, devil run. Okay. I, I, I yeah. feel like we're... We beat that horse. I, I feel like the fans are running over the shark. <laughs> we're going to run away from this episode real fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's for Podbean to tell me. Right. It's like, <laughs> hey, look at, your, look at your episode numbers. <laughs> yeah. That everyone's really engaged until... Until, you know, <laughs> this point in the show where everyone stops listening. I will say I stopped looking at all that stuff because I found it really weird um, to, like, put it into, like, a competitive area of feeling like, oh, well, this guy's ranked above me or this show ranks higher or this is, you know, this analytic is this. And it's more that, fun to that's just kind of go. easy for you to say because your show does significantly better than mine. I mean, I don't know about that. I, I honestly, I, I don't look at it now because it's just, it's a weird way to to feel. I don't know. Yeah. So no, I, I I had to stop doing that too. Yeah, because I I would just end up bitter at people who are my friends. Yeah, like because I don't it's want like, that. Why like, are more people listening to your show? Right, you know, and like I definitely am a believer of like, oh, what's that phrase? Um, a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, like. I would hope that, you know, when something has the Beatles on everybody's mind and they want to go listen to podcasts, you know, it benefits everybody. And we all kind of get to eat at that point. And, you know, we all hopefully, you know, say good things about each other. And, you know, I think it's a cool, like I have found being in this network uh, over the last three years to be like one of the coolest things that I've been involved with. Like I've made friends I've had amazing experiences. Like it's been such a cool uh, thing to kind of find, you know, find myself a part of. Well, we, we met through the network because, you know, long, long before this moment right now, I think we first met, uh, was it the, the Blotto Beatles charity thing? It wasn't the charity. I, I, I couldn't do that. I had a show or something that night, but we did a Blotto thing. It was if it wasn't the the Blotto Beatles ALS thing, it was Get Back. I think it was Get Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the the charity thing they did, I didn't go, I didn't get to do, but I know Sam Wiles was there and he fell asleep, which yep, is still like I, my favorite story. I I had to read his uh, questions <laughs> for the trivia thing. I love that. He fell asleep. And I, I was calling him. I was trying to get him on the phone. What a trooper! I love. And that then kid. he didn't wake up until the very end, and he looked like a, like a cat who just threw up on the carpet. He was like, um, yeah. I love it. Oh man. <laughs> well, but I can't make fun of him because I fell asleep during my well. Beatles guest spot. <laughs> but you'd also been drinking, so like yeah, yeah they they I they drank me under the table, man. We uh, we met up with those guys in Boston uh, a few months ago, and uh, we had a number of cocktails. It was a lot of fun. Well, I met up with I met up with Sam in uh, yeah in, in Birmingham uh, oh, a couple nice. months ago. Nice. The first thing he, we did, uh, we met at the at the uh, Birmingham you know train station, mm-hmm. uh, and 
I, I think it was a train station. It's like city center. First thing he did he, is we he walked me into a pub. Nice. <laughs> at, at like 1130. That's the way you do it. That's God how bless. it should be done. God bless you, Sam. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wherever you are, I'm sure you're listening. Yeah. Sam, if you're listening. Come to Beatles Fest, Sam. Come yeah. to the Fest Beatles fans. We all want you there. Yeah, well, stop hiding. Let's all, you know, let's all pool in together and get Sam over there. Yeah. We'll all chip in what, a little what's bit. What's the Mike Love quote? Like, he's always been too chicken shit to get <laughs> he's on too stage shit with to be the, the Beach Fest Boys. Beatles fans. <laughs> Sam Wallace is too chicken shit to come to the Fest for Beatles fans yeah. with fans on the run and ranking the Beatles and Blotto Beatles. I'd like to see Paul or nothing at Wembley and the Beach Boys at whatever, I don't know, whatever he said. <laughs> <laughs> to see the boss up there. Yeah, yeah, but and McCartney, Paul isn't here because he's in a lawsuit with Yoko and Ringo. <laughs> what a dick! He's <laughs> such a rude guy. And then Elton John walks up on stage and he says, "Thank fuck you didn't Thanks. mention me." <laughs> I do love that. Thank fuck you didn't mention me. <laughs> oh god, what um, a night! I do love watching that performance too. Of um, I think it's Jumping Jack Flash, or maybe I saw her standing there. Yeah. Uh, and Mike Love's like trying so hard to get Mick Jagger to get on the mic with him. And he's on like Mike Love's on Mick's right. And like Springsteen and some other people are on his left. And Mick Jagger just will not turn to the right. He's only jamming with the guys on his left. He's like, man, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I don't owe you shit. It's amazing. Uh, there's a I think I I'm trying to remember. There was something with the the David Lynch Foundation with the transcendental meditation and mm -hmm. McCartney was doing the thing. And then, uh, everyone's two favorite hanger on or hangers on from, uh, Rishikesh, uh, Mike Love and Donovan. Oh no. Walk out. Well, but the thing <laughs> is though, I, I, I will not stand for any slander against Donovan. Yeah. There's, I'll send you the link audience out there. Uh, you can you can pause the show because I need you to go watch this. There's a video of Donovan discussing his own catalog, that is quite possibly my favorite, you know, three minutes ever put to film. Because <laughs> he's like, ah, ah, yes, Sunshine Superman, acoustic with bass. <laughs> with yeah. bass. <laughs> yeah, hurdy hurdy gurdy man, Led Zeppelin were on. Hurdy Goody Man single before they became Led Zeppelin. Ah, Barabba Jaggle. <laughs> my, uh, my friend Debbie, who was on our show a few weeks ago, uh, is a huge Donovan fan. And, like, I just don't know enough of his catalog. Like, I know the singles. I think they're good. I just never dove into the rest. But um, he's a polarizing figure in Beatle fandom. Yeah. Now, Donovan's awesome. He's yeah. awesome. Did, did you know that Donovan... Taught the Beatles how to play the guitar, according <laughs> I, to Donovan. I did hear that. Yeah. I did hear all that. It, all those finger pickings. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I wish I could do those finger apparently, pickings. Apparently, you know, Jennifer Juniper inspired all of Abbey Road. <laughs> I did not know that one. <laughs> no, I just, that's a I whole lot made, of inspiration. I made that up. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what the it man sounds claims. true enough. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. I'm going to ask you the the existential question. Okay. 
what do the Beatles mean to you? Oof, God, that's a big one. God, they. When I when I eventually hit episode 100, I'm gonna do a compilation Ooh. of all the people's responses to when I ask them that question at first because it's always like twice. Oof. Oof, that's a toughie. <laughs> oof, shit. Oof, yeah. oof, 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 oof. Ooh, that's a big one. God, they're, uh, you know, uh, somebody put it the other day. They're like the Alpha and Omega, man. They're everything. Um, my life kind of is what it is because of the Beatles. I mean, I, I think of so many decisions that I made in my life. Um, you know, I started out when I joined the school band. I wanted to play saxophone at first. Don't know why I wanted to play saxophone, but that was the instrument I wanted to play. And after a week, my band band director said, uh, you're not good at this. This is not going to work. Why don't you go over there and hit hit the drums? So I moved to the drums and I was like, well, Ringo's a drummer. I love Ringo. And so I got into the drums and learned to play drum set by, excuse me, learned to play drum kit by playing along to Beatles albums and then from there it was like I want to learn to play guitar started playing guitar along to Beatles songs and so that kind of put me on the path to being a musician which led me to you know the group of friends I met in college uh, who I started a band with and then that led me to the musicians that I met in New Orleans who I eventually like was in a to help get me a career you know um, which led me to meet my wife, which led me to everything. I mean, it, it all stems from the Beatles and, you know, wanting to have that same, I don't want to say to be the Beatles, but kind of that goal of like, if I could do something a fraction as good as that, like that would be amazing. Um, you know, and even on like a, on a personal note, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I, I definitely feel like I was always more of a John fan when I was older and as, as I've got, or when I was younger and as I've gotten older, I feel like I've become more of a Paul fan and I've really grown to appreciate some of the more personal things in his, in his life. Like I really admire like the marriage that he and Linda had and the relationship they had. And like any marriage relationship, I'm sure it had more ups and downs than any of us will ever know or any of us should ever know. Um, but they were, they like made it work and they stuck together and they, you know, were a great partnership and that's incredibly inspirational. And I would say the same thing about John and Yoko and about, uh, Olivia and George and about Ringo and Barbara. Like they, as persons look to really be invested in their relationships. And I think that's really interesting and informative. Um, because a lot of musicians just kind of, you know, go through wives like water, you know? So I think that's really interesting. Um, and just the ability to, to change and grow, I think is really interesting because it's so easy as a, as a musician, but just as a person in general to say, Oh, well, what I do now works and just, I'm going to be that forever. Um, some musicians that I love are just like, they do the same thing they've always done and that's kind of their thing. And that's fine. But I also love the idea of like growing and evolving as a person, as an artist, as a friend, you know, in any capacity. 
And that all goes back to like, I'm always reading about these guys that do that. And I'm always talking about those guys that do that. And I just find that so interesting. So, I mean, every part of my life, I think, is touched by the Beatles. I, I can't think of, literally, I cannot think of a single part of my life that is not informed by loving that band. All the way down to, like, my political beliefs. Like, you know, like, they're a band that espoused the idea of equality and love and tolerance. And that's, you know, things that are very important to me in the way that I choose to express those views um i mean ev- yeah they're, like they're they're everything i i don't if they didn't exist i can't begin to fathom the way that my life would be different it'd be completely different that that's that's all there is really to say yeah yeah uh, that's, that's all that's, i got that's one of the most well-rounded <laughs> answers i've had to that question well, thank you, man. <laughs> um, on a slightly less, you know, the only thing that deep... would be different, I'd probably have more money in my bank account. Yeah. I wouldn't be spending as much money on Beatles shit all the time. <laughs> uh, here, here, brother. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to step on your toes because normally the the uh, poorly titled segment of the show, the quickfire questions. Mm. Uh, half of them, the favorite Beatles song and least favorite Beatles song. Ah, I can't do it. I think I think <laughs> I think you can say least favorite. I give you my least favorite because um, I think you've already covered that. Yeah, yeah. Those are Sleep Deek and uh, Come Give Me Your Dying Hand, which it's kind of a cop out. Like, yeah, because uh, I included them because I had to include Past Masters, um, but Mr. Moonlight is like the first non kind of gimmicky duplicate for me. Which is a shame because I think it does start with argue with arguably one of John's finest vocal moments. Like, but that is like the epitome of like, for lack of better phrase, blowing the load too early. Like he just comes out guns blazing, and then it just like poops out after that. <laughs> it's the only Beatles song with, you know, a really cheesy organ solo. Yep. I, I was, Quite possibly the, the worst organ tone. That's terrible. It's, it popped in my head the other night. I was listening to... Are you familiar with Richard Cheese? Is he the guy from the 90s who did the kind of like big band versions mm. of like... It, well, he did like creep. lounge covers. So yeah, like he was like early 2000s i think and he would do kind of like cheesy lounge singer things yeah uh, like i did it all for the nookie come on the nookie come on um <laughs> i don't know why he popped it. oh he popped my head because i had a um i put one of his songs on a on a on my christmas playlist um he does he did a cover of jingle bells as done by the singing dogs from <laughs> the 70s so he was like arf 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 Arf, arf, arf. Bark, arf, woof, woof, bark. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> so I was thinking about Richard Cheese, and I was like, what is Richard Cheese doing now? And I went on his Instagram, and he didn't post a ton, but it for some reason, it my mind just was like, you came to me one summer night. It just popped in my head, and I was thinking about that damn song and that organ solo. <laughs> and I was like, God, what, a, what an awful idea that sound is. Like, it's so bad. The, these two quick fire questions, I think I can 
ask you safely. What okay. is your favorite Beatles album? Mm. Um, I'm going to say it's a toss-up because it's a toss-up with Revolver and Abbey Road. And it's a sonic thing. They're just so fucking good. They sound so good. Um, if if you're putting a gun to my head, I'm gonna probably go Abbey Road. Okay. But why? I would maybe why, say, why? What? What is it that you love sonically about Abbey Road? It it's it's so warm sounding and it's so well recorded. Um, the performances are all so good. The to- like the guitar tone is, I don't want to say oh, it's the best guitar tones they ever had on record. Well, I, I think I maybe say that's revolver. Well, I'd say revolver is my favorite guitar tones that they have. I, well, that's the revolver guitar tone has kind of spawned a cottage industry. Yeah. Of pedals. Yeah. Of, you have the of, Dr. Robert. Pedal I don't too, have right? the Dr. I, Robert. I have pedal. one of those too. It's, I, I don't it's have one, but, my friends have get you on them. it's it's the it's the truth man they, um, the same company also just put out a uh because my friend did demos of it oh nice them, uh called the mocker that's like the fuzz circuit <laughs> from the uh vox ul 730 oh, or the vox conqueror one of those solid state is. yeah oh that's nice but the the tones on abbey road it's like, just so Take Good. even Maxwell Silver Hammer. Mm-hmm. Listen to listen to. I love listening to the isolated track yep. of the guitars. Yeah, like they're all at like the top and of their plus, game. The instrumentally, Moog. the yeah. Moog it sounds great on that song. It sounds fantastic. The Moog is great on the entire album. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I I think it's a combination of you know they're they're recording on a different board on that record. Um, they're instrumentally probably at the top of their game of their Beatle-esque playing. You know, like, obviously, the next year, George goes, like, slide crazy. Um, You know, Paul becomes... He... I think he's less bass-focused when he goes to Wings because he's kind of overseeing everything. Um, But he's still playing really amazing, intricate parts... Because, I mean, obviously he does amazing parts all through his career, but, like, he's so musical on Abbey Road. He's so musical. Um, You know, John just seems so invested in everything. Like, his his playing is great. Um, There's just... And Ringo is so fluid on that record. Like, his playing is so incredibly inventive um, and so groovy. It's just such a great-sounding record. And the songs are just phenomenal. The medley is, I'll give up a little bit of the ghost here. The medley is like, that's top 10 for me. Do you um, count the medley as, as one song? I count as two. So I break it up into two sections, your first section and your B section, okay. your second section. It is, is Sun King the dividing um, line? No, the dividing line is... Um, uh, mean Mr. Mustard for me. I start the second part at uh, at uh, Golden Slumbers. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that so that section for me, that's that's top tier. Um, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Way at the End is top tier for me. Um, 
yeah it's just i can never not want to hear that record like doesn't matter what mood i'm in that record's going to connect on it whether i'm looking to like feel excited about something like that's going to hit if i want to calm down it's going to hit if i want to if i'm like depressed i can put it on like it's it's uh, all purpose it's wonderful it's just it's so good an album for all moods and all seasons yeah for sure for sure any time of the day and the flip side to that question what Mm -hmm. is your least favorite beatles album you know what i've really moved away from is uh is help and i don't think i've moved away from it i think it's just uh, everything else has kind of risen above it recently like in recent years um i've really warmed to and i've i've had phases with everything but i've i've warmed a lot recently to um beatles for sale i've really spent a lot of time with lately and magical mystery tour has like really jumped for me in the last five years to where that's maybe top three ish i don't know i mean imagine Not a record argue on that Imagine a record that contains Strawberry Fields Forever, Penny Lane, I Am the Walrus, All You Need Is Love, and someone's like, eh, that's not your best record. Like, I mean, come on. Hello, Goodbye, uh, Magical, I mean, it's just... Blue Jay Way. Blue Jay, you know, tit for tat, like, how many hits do you have on a record, like... That's that's such a heavy hitter. It's just so good. Yeah, imag- again, have imagine having "Baby You're a Rich Man" on an album, and yeah. people thinking that's all right. Yeah, not your best work. No. Like, uh, have you heard the the bass? Have you heard of the drum sound on this whole fucking record? Like, that's now that's my favorite Ringo drum sound is 1967. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, I have talked about this a few times. Um the group like the the isolated drums on like if you if i could get the drums for like christmas time is here again and uh it's just like how was that's a hip that's hip-hop that's hip-hop groove that should be sampled in a hip-hop song it's so good it sounds sounds like something good sounds like something you know jay dilla would have sampled like that shit sounds so good and it's like that all through 67 like i'm the walrus you know, I talk about this song with New Orleans drummers a lot because, like, New Orleans drumming and New Orleans music is very, like, laid, like, kind of, like, back off the beat. Like, that's kind of like the root of funk is, like, you're sitting far back off the beat. Uh, and Ringo is, like, so far back on I Am The Walrus. Like, he's almost dragging the song down. Yeah. But because he's not, like, on top of the beat, like, like if he's, like, rushing on, like, a rock song. He's grooving so hard on it. It's just such a cool song. Like I can listen to just the instrumental version of that or like the, uh, the take on anthology. Like I'll take that as much as I'll take the, like the original song. It's just, it's such a great performance. And now I'm going to turn things over to you because mm, okay. we're getting to that part of the show. Where can people find, uh, ranking the Beatles? Where can people find your music? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, ranking the Beatles, you can find anywhere you get podcasts of questionable uh, integrity. <laughs> uh, it's available everywhere. There's also see also the where to find fans on the road. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, also rankingthebeatles.com is our website. 
I do have a list of all previous rankings on there, but it has not been updated in the last like six months. I need to do that uh, during this upcoming break to get that up to st- up to snuff. Um, but it's everywhere you are looking for podcasts. Uh, we also have um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is all ranking the Beatles, except Twitter is just ranking Beatles. Um, as far as my music, if you're interested in it, um, obviously big in the 90s and the Walrus are cover bands. Just listen to 90s music or the Beatles. Although uh, we do want to make a Walrus record at some point. We have some really cool ideas for that. I just don't know. We got to get money for it because making a record is, is expensive. Um, as far as my own songwriting, uh, you can look up The Breton Sound is my band that uh, I've had for the last 12 or so years. We've been uh, we kind of went on a hiatus when when COVID hit and it's kind of just lingered the last year and a half. Uh, so I don't know what we'll do with that. We might we still have stuff that we want to finish up and put out. Um, and then I've written a couple songs um, that have been recorded by other people. Uh, if you watch uh, America's Got Talent, uh, the band Chapel Heart that was on last year, I wrote a song with them that they performed on that TV show called The Girls Are Back in Town, and that's a cool little tune. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of things out there floating around under my own name, um, mostly covers that you can find as well. And uh, if anybody likes the Breton Sound stuff, I have uh, vinyl. I'll be glad to give you for free because it takes up too much space in my house. So just send me a message. Well, all the links for for the show and you know your stuff uh, can be found in the description of this episode. And let's see if I can remember my own spiel. All right, <laughs> uh, we're on Facebook, Fans on the Run Podcast, uh, fan, blah, blah 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 blah, whatever the full name of the show is. I I could say the full name of the show, but you know you'll probably find it. <laughs> uh, it again, description. Uh, we're on Instagram, Fans on the Run Podcast, where I post all the graphics I do for each episode of the show, which can get pretty funky. And I, I have a few ideas for what I'm going to do for this one. Ooh, ooh. We'll discuss. Hope, hope there's an AI walrus involved. <laughs> <laughs> I'll post that in the in the second slide on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> um, and we're on uh, Threads. Ooh, yeah. How do you like threads? I haven't made the jump. It's all right. Yeah, it's it's like Twitter, but not. Yeah. Uh, or fans on the run there, and we're on the platform formerly known as Twitter, uh, at fans on the run pod. And you know, if you have any feedback on the show, uh, instead of leaving a nasty <laughs> review, <laughs> you can reach out to me at fans on the run podcast at gmail dot com. If you have any, you know, thoughts on the show, if you have any suggestions, if you have any comments, I'm I'm always open to feedback. And again, you can find the show wherever you want. Where except YouTube, except YouTube, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but you know, all that aside, Jonathan, thank you for coming on the show. Ethan, it's been a blast, man. And uh, we, we're we going to be at the Fest for Beatles fans in February. And so, you don't say. I I will also be at the Fest I for Beatles know, fans. I know, man. We're gonna and for once, I actually have a photo on the website. <laughs> we had a spot and it disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. Like, they no, didn't I think have you're on the website. I, I, I didn't have a photo the last few years. Yeah. So when the thing went up for this one, I immediately emailed Sent your photo. Uh, someone... 
I know there. And nice. I'm like, put this photo, please. <laughs> and, and I might be performing at it at the fest too. Hey. So yeah, I'm doing a, an acoustic set as well. So if you need if you need packing, man, you're the you're the, you're my guy. Bring that Rickenbacker. Yeah, I will. Nice. And to all of you wonderful people out there, thank you for listening. You can go home now. Bands on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Phillip. This has been a Showtown production.